Hello everyone, it's Camille Louise, your host of the Feminist Book Chat Paris, a podcast that explores the many faces of an intersectional feminism through literature. So today Camille and I are going to be talking about some of the books that we read um, in October. Yay! <laughs> Letting you know a little bit about what, they're, what, they're, what they talk about without giving away any big spoilers um, and why we would recommend them uh, to you. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I'll start today. Um, Go for it. I'm actually going to start with a book called Exquisite Cadavers. The author's name is Mina Kandasami. Um, so this book has been published by Atlantic Books, and it's due to come out in English in the UK on the 7th of November. So it's just been released. We're actually recording on the day. Um, so a little bit about the author, Mina. She was born in 1984. Um, she's been writing for the past 15 years or so um, through a combination of poetry or translated work, essays, as well as fiction. Um, her second novel actually was a work of autofiction. It's called When I Hit You, or the portrait of the writer as a young wife. And it drew upon her own experience um, living inside of a, an abusive marriage, mm. um, to, and specifically as, as an Indian woman. So lifting that kind of veil of silence um, that surrounds domestic violence from a particularly intersectional feminist perspective um, in modern day India. So Exquisite Cadavers was written partly in response to the reception of When I, um, when I Hit You. Um, what happened was that the author herself described this as a feminist depiction of domestic violence, but reviewers and critics were instantly labelling it as a memoir. So... In Exquisite Cadavers, there's exploration of that dividing line between autobiographical and fiction. Um, many, many authors write about what they know or what they've experienced, and yet it's more often women's literature or under-the-radar under authors, what we you know, refer to as marginalised voices, that will get dismissed as memoir. It's kind yeah. of like that second shelf aspect. So the format is a, is a, it makes it really interesting. Um, exquisite cadavers is actually a term that was coined in the 19, early 1900s around the uh, Parisian surrealist um, era. So uh, it's an exquisite corpse, which is that thing where you kind of draw something, fold up a piece of paper, pass it on to the next yeah. person. And so at the end, you have this kind of hybrid creation. Um, and so how this works in Mina's book is that each page is divided into two columns. So on the right-hand side, you have the fictional story about this young couple based in London, Maya, who is English, and her boyfriend, Kareem, who is Tunisian, and he's a filmmaker. 
And then on the left-hand side, you have the author making her own notes, which are related to her creative process, her life, and as well as the political horrors that are taking place in her native India. So it was a very new format for me. It was interesting, and it was something that I thought going into reading could potentially be distracting, but, you know, I really wanted to give it a go. So in terms of the book, what did I think? Mm. Why would I recommend it? I thought the writing was absolutely beautiful and I haven't yet read any of her poetry um, collections, but I would because I found it very poetic, actually. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, I'm about to lend this book to somebody and I've already apologised to them in advance because I loved it so much that I did that thing of underlining in pencil, except I underlined like 90% of the book. <laughs> Happens so, to me all the time. Apologies. Um, so I really got a lot out of um, Mina's notes on the left-hand side column. Um, they talk about many, many things. Um, being an immigrant woman in London... Uh, be just been an immigrant in London, um, as well as a terrible treatment of women and Muslim women in India, uh, feminist issues. I discovered um, a wonderful woman called Gauri Lankesh, who was a left-wing journalist uh, with her own newspaper, who was very sadly assassinated in September 2017 because of her outspokenness uh -huh. and, and kind of... Uh, um, um, speaking out against the the political regime it kind of it really opened up uh many things to me many things i'd kind of been act actively looking to know more about amazing um, and just absolutely beautiful writing so yeah i'd highly recommend and um i've definitely um i would definitely like to read her previous work the the one about uh domestic abuse well yeah same now <laughs> it, it's really Good. complete thanks friend uh, okay it actually feeds a lot it feeds a lot of the conversation i think um, okay what good. are you gonna talk about um the, a, a book that I really, really enjoyed reading this month uh, is Rokaya Diallo's uh, new book called um, France, You Either Love It or Shut Up. Uh, in French, it's called La France, Tu L'Aimes ou Tu La Fermes. Yeah. So for those who don't know her, Rokaya Diallo is a French journalist. Um, she's also uh, an activist engaged into the anti-racist uh, uh, fight. She's built this amazing organization a few years ago, I think in 2014, called Les Indivisibles. Um, and she's she's one of the main uh, modern influence into uh, anti-racist uh, writings and uh, organization. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically, um, uh, she, she's been writing for years, uh, in a lot of newspapers, like all French, big French headlines. Um, I've seen her papers going. She's also published like nine books in nine years. She's amazing. She's really, really eloquent, uh, when talking about racism, um, and in this book, so this new book is actually like a, a collection of 55 uh, articles that she's published in the French newspapers. And it's organized in some way to uh, describe um, systemic, systemic uh, racism, state racism. Um, and so it's organized in a very, very interesting way that you don't feel like she's repeating herself. And she's basically uh, responding to uh, big news, what's been happening in France uh, these past 10 years. 
Um, so why it's really good, I think it's because she really highlights uh, in a very intelligent way uh, what means institutionalized racism, the bias concept of white racism, uh, the obsessive Islamophobia um, that uh, the government keeps um, going on, Absolutely. you know, and feeding, uh, and also the construction of identity that is uh, dictated by the French society uh, on being white and fitting into um, heterosexual norms. Mm -hmm. So it's not only about... Uh, racism oriented uh, toward um, black communities, mm -hmm. but also on class, on mm -hmm. uh, religion aspects, mm -hmm. on ethnicities of all kind. She also talks about uh, Asian, ra uh, Asian racism, mm -hmm. um, on so Islamophobia, as I said, on the revolution and the state repression um, toward people who try to manifest, mm -hmm. protest. Protest, sorry. yes. Um, also on feminism and women in France, uh, people of color, um, the cultural representation um, that is so bad, actually. So it's divided in four big parts. First being... Um, um, state racism and um, the so-called uh, white racism, which obviously doesn't exist, but how how do people uh, feed, this feed this purpose? Mm. How people do not understand what racism means? And when she talks about f uh, women and feminism, she kind of like gives this uh, modern version of yeah. what you can read in Angela Davis or Bell Hook's Purpose, oh, you right. know? Fantastic. So it's a continuation of that, like placing it within a exactly. modern... Exactly. Yeah. I guess it's like, it's a 200-page uh, book, but you just can't stop reading it because it's so... It's so right, yeah. you know? And it's papers that you, you must you must have, have seen. Like, if you read French newspaper... You must have read uh, some of the papers, but seeing all of these 55 ones gathered in a book, just... Um, it seems like a fantastic resource to exactly. have, you know, at your fingertips. Exactly. Yeah, I can only encourage everyone to read the book. Uh, it's not that complicated also. if It's only available yeah. in French, of course, but... But not that hard. And I think okay. it's good also for people that aren't from France to be able to get a uh, like another view on how is France on, um, on race. On all these topics that yeah. she kind of covers in the book, absolutely. Exactly. So that's it. Ooh. What's your second one? Uh, my second one is... Um, is also for kind of young adults as well. Um, so it's called The Gracier by Kim Liggett. Yay. Uh, yeah. Um, you may have spotted it on our Instagram feed, a few followers there. So this was published by Del Rey, um, and it came out in October, on the 8th, at the beginning of October. So um, I hadn't heard of Kim Liggett before. She She's American. She kind of grew up uh, in rural America, but she left um, for New York when she was 16 to pursue a career in music. So during the 1980s, she actually ended up being a backup singer for various uh, rock bands for the whole decade. And she's had a career change and she, she's she been publishing books since 2015. 
So the Gratier, even before I started reading it, it has drawn comparisons to The Hunger Games, The Power, The Handmaid's Tale, as well as Lord of the Flies. So it is set in a place called Ghana County. It's clearly a kind of dystopian, speculative fiction Mm -hmm. type of setting. It feels real, but it could be a different time, a different place somehow. Um, And it also feels quite sinister and claustrophobic. So what is the Gratia? Um, It's basically a year when 16-year-old girls are banished like into the wilderness together um, in order to cleanse themselves of their dangerous magic, um, a devilish power which is said to cause them to seduce married men, um, lure these men to sin, and all sorts of unsavoury things. These claims are made by the men of Ghana County, obviously, so, you know, very convenient for them. And once they're dropped into the wild, they need to survive kind of the natural elements. There are also these people called poachers who are literally hunting the girls because there is a whole black market with body parts. Um, And, you know, not turn on each other and kill, kill each other. So no one in the community ever talks about what happens. So you have these 16-year-old girls who go away, they come back, they're shells of their former selves, not all of them make it back alive, little spoiler there, sorry. Um, And so basically they're put through this thing because of some patriarchal rule. And when, before they go away, they, some of them are selected as brides. It is so creative. It, oh, sorry. I, I already, like, there's so yeah. much going on. Um, <laughs> it's very gripping. Um, so before they're sent off into this wild year, um, they're selected, you know, they're, some of them are chosen as brides. They're considered the lucky ones, the ones who are not selected as, as future wives. If they make it back alive, um, they are basically sent out to labour. They have a life of hard labour ahead of them so you know um so the protagonist is Tiani James she's always been a tomboy always been a bit of a rebel her best friend is this boy called Michael Welk his father is Clint Welk head of the kind of council the powerful authority in Ghana County nobody thinks that Tiani is going to get selected as a future wife and she does I won't say by whom it's a big, big surprise to everybody, and she's very unhappy about it because she does not buy into the whole, like, marry me off uh-uh. uh, to somebody that I hardly even know or who is older than me or who is going to treat me terribly. Um, what I re- So what I really liked about it was how it handled the whole subject of internalised misogyny. So women, young girls, been uh, used as tools by the patriarchy to fight each other as opposed to work together, make room for each other, mm-hmm. the whole kind of glass ceiling, glass cliff kind of thing. Um, and I thought that um, the behaviour of these young teenage girls during their grace year really um, it sends a very clear message about the abuse that patriarchal power uh, does 
pitting women against each other when the prize is something like marriage mm. or, you know, having a kind of pure, ungarnished reputation. So I thought that the author did that really, really well um, and it never came across as patronising or kind of laying it on too thick. I think if you are a young teenage girl, this is a good way to know about internalised misogyny and be very on guard yeah. for it. Um and there were um, a little two kind of small gripes that I had. Um, the first one was pacing. Um, I felt like the end, basically, it felt a little bit rushed, uh, like loose ends were tied up a little bit too quickly. Okay. Uh, there was kind of a secondary story that was going on that I would have liked personally more time to be okay. spent on. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed by that, but um, it's just kind of a, an FYI. And the second thing was that um, the girls, to say there were about 32 girls... Um, who were sent off into the wilderness, they all read as quite white. Okay. You know? Okay. So I think um, in terms... There were a couple of descriptions of physical appearances, and they all, you know, were pale and sickly because, you know... So it, was, mm. it, was, it, it read as very white, and I thought that was a real shame for a book which is so incredibly pro-woman and, you know, progressive and kind of spelling it out. Yeah, like, beware enough. with the patriarchy. It just, it fell short. Mm -mm. Um, I did see online that it's already been bought, uh, film rights have already been bought. Amazing. Uh, to turn it okay. into a film. So I really hope this is something that they would rectify because I feel, you know, well, internalised misogyny is universal. Yeah, of course. Um, so it shouldn't just be um, one type of skin colour. Yeah. So, yeah, those those were the kind of um, minuses for me. Having said that, would still recommend it. Um, again, really kind of easy to read. I kind of picked it up and couldn't put it down. So you read it very quickly, even though I think it's between 200 and 300 pages. And, yeah, just really gripping. Like, there's a lot of action. Um, so... Yeah, fascinating. Three and a half stars for me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, good, good book. So. I think the best way I could describe it, and I already described it as this on the um, when I've been recommending it to people and on the Instagram post, um, I would say it's the young adult sister to the power. Well, to continue, my second choice is Arcadie by Emmanuel Bayana. Tam. So it's a book that's been published in 2018. So I intentionally pick French books as um, Louise picks uh, more international ones. I think it's good that you guys can have both uh, French and English recommendation. I should even like talk in French since I'm talking about French books. Okay, next yeah, time. Yeah, next time. <laughs> For next now. <laughs> um, so Arcadie is a fantastic uh, fiction book. Quite big. But I'll, I'll go later on the minus points. Um, so, very good. It won several book awards. Um, it's, how to describe it? It's, it's quite a special, like, subversive and poetic novel um, that focuses on the search of identity of this teenage, teenage girl uh, living in a libertarian community. So, libertarian community meaning it's, um, it's like this kind of hedonistic 
place um, between France and Italy okay. where there's no Wi-Fi, no signal. It's like we say in, Fr in French, we say une zone blanche. That's this place called um, Liberty House. Sorry, I forgot. Um, so it's following this girl. She's 14 years old. She's been raised uh, for years in this place called Liberty House, uh, where there's like this guru that kind of like um, helps the place. Yeah. Uh, so the guru is called Arkady, which is the name of the book. And this whole place is has been constructed uh, for the people that are marginalized. Mm -hmm. So the um, social cases. Sure. So the people that don't fit, the people that are not valid, or the people that you know have like social or physical issues, mm -hmm. um, and that are rejected by the society. So they just go there, and they have a happy life that is completely freed from uh, all type of norms and codes. So they can be completely free in their sexual life, in their identity, and their yeah, they're, they're just completely free. And Are there things like schools, like... No, so she goes right. to school um, outside of Liberty House. Like, right. she takes a bus every morning and she gets out of, of the place. But the people, like the adults that live there, it's mostly people, uh, mostly adults. They, um, they just do their own uh, food sure. and, you know... They're kind of, like, self-sufficient. They're self-sufficient, but there are some people, uh, some rich people that provide money. Uh, so some of the people are there because they have money and they're, they're helping also to... Um, shape the community. To shape the community. The community. Exactly. Okay. And at some point, they're still, they're like, they don't have enough money, so have to, they have to, like, go in the city and find some new members. But, like, the wealthiest members as possible. Ooh. So it's kind of funny. And so you just follow this girl who have been raised in this community where there's no norm. So it's super funny because the way she thinks and the way she acts is completely freed from um, all the norms that other the, kids... Yeah, that we would have in our yeah, heads exactly. or that a lot of people would so have So the way heads. she thinks is, is, you know, it's disturbing and funny. And so now she's 15 years old and she's trying to think about losing her virginity. So she inst instinctively she wants to do to lose the fin her virginity with Arkady, the big boss, the guru. Okay, and he th th so that is a man. Like that's a man, a man, and okay. he's fifty years old, and he basically has sex with the entire community. Yeah, it even a bit culty. Yeah, even yeah. with Farah, Farah, who is like the the teenager, with Farah, uh, mom and dad, he has had sex with them. You right. know, and everyone has sex with everyone. Yeah, uh, and it's totally fine because. As I said, there's no no there's boundaries, no, no limits, no yeah. So like it's it's I guess it's like a four hundred pages book, so it's quite big. So a lot of things happen, uh, just life happens, um, and there's all the question on the body changing, on um, becoming more uh, masculine, because at some point Farah discovers she's actually becoming more and more masculine uh, in her body shape. So there's all this question of gender, of how I am intersex, of um, what is my sexuality, um, of the boundaries of love. Can I love someone who is really older than me? So that's why I think it's really, inf really interesting. And it's not really an utopia because there's def definitely some 
problematic yeah. stuff. And it's not a, not a dystopia also. It's right. just it's just fiction. Mm. And this author who is um uh who has published several books, she said in an article I read uh, that it was the most political book she'd ever written. It sounds like nothing I've ever read before, which is good, right? <laughs> it's like crazy it's something and new. Funny and you're like if we wanted something else than our society, if we could mm. imagine another society. How would it look? Yeah. And what kind of other problems would you run into? Exactly, kind of because thing, having a questions. guru and everything isn't all great. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. You know, one man in big power. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Um, in the meantime, you know you can follow us on Instagram at the FBC Paris and speak to you soon. Yay. Bye. Bye.